This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show. This team, with everything that's happening because of Aaron Rodgers and all the buzz, that they can't afford to have HBO come through and, and do this series. We've got enough distractions. But then reality smacked me in the face. Us Jet fans who are hesitant about this, we need to stop being soft. If somehow this season goes awry, you know what we're not going to say at the end of the year? It was because of hard knocks. If this team is truly that fragile, that simply having a few extra cameras following them in training camp, then the reality is they were never going to amount to anything close to being a success story anyway. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. And this is apropos because one of the best football minds on the planet, Mina Kimes, just announced on Twitter she's pregnant. Congratulations to Mina Kimes. She's awesome. Put out a nice photo at the ESPYs, brought a date, and you can see her right hand uh, on her stomach. She she is fantastic. She's phenomenal. One of the best football minds. Love her work. Congratulations to you, Mina Kimes. She, she's at the ESPYs hanging out. So sending love and energy and positivity her way. That's that's beautiful. Got two kids myself. My seven-month-old just won't allow me to get any type of sleep. And once you become a parent, you become fascinated by, like, all these apps now will, like, educate you on different things. And, and, and one of the items right now is, you know, progressions and regressions when it comes to sleep. So you see, like, you know, when the timeline, when it, where in the timeline it happens. So right now, my boy Maverick's going through that sleep regression up every single hour, and it is infuriating, which is why every break, you know, I'm cranky. I'm, I'm cursing Jolio out because he's got terrible takes, and I've got no patience for it tonight. 800-919-3776. Before we get back to your phone calls, I, I am going to be completely honest with you guys, as I am all the time. I I cannot find it in me to fake outrage just for the sake of fandom. So the Yankees, it was announced today that Star Insurance is going to become a signature partner and the logo will be featured on the club's uniforms uh, in a deal that annually will net them uh, somewhere in the $20 million range. It's going to run through 2031, believed to be the most lucrative in MLB history. And there are Yankee fans who are just, I mean, coming apart because they cannot fathom that a team of this cachet could could find itself in a situation no. where they're allowing, you know, patches to be on those, you know, storied uniforms. I I I cannot be that that Yankee fan. Who maybe it, it's an you know it's it's an age thing where I I, I I just can't be that guy who's bothered by this. It, it, I saw this story. I thought nothing of it. I go on Twitter. Yankee fans are losing their minds. I I, I can't. It, it's just not in my nature. I care about whether they could be wearing you know Harvey Cruz's face. On, on, on their jerseys. I care about them winning championships. I care about them winning baseball games. 
I want to see them go out there and not be the worst offense in the sport. I want to see pitchers be able to last, you know, as they're in the midst of, of, of a great performance, last more than 75 pitches in a game. You are not going to incite a big reaction out of me in a negative or positive way because they're they're wearing patches on their jerseys. I'm sorry, I, that's not me. If that's you and you want to call up about it and give your thoughts on, on, on what's happening and why it bothers you so much, hit us up, 800-919-3776. But that guy is not me. It, it, it never has been me, and I don't foresee any time in the near future or distant future that I will become someone who is bothered or annoyed or agitated because they've decided to you know spice up the uniform for the sake of money because when have the Yankees ever been about money 800-919-3776 so we did get this and I, I promise you I see the Jet fans are st- you're still on hold and want to talk Jets I, I promise you I will get back to you in a moment but I wanted to throw in this because I teased it and you know it, it was something that was newsworthy today uh, Diana Rossini was on NFL Live and here was her update on the latest between Saquon Barkley and the New York Giants Talks between the New York Giants and Saquon Barkley are really at a stalemate at this point. We know this deadline is creeping up in just a few days at Monday, 4 o'clock Eastern. And at this point right now, I was told that there's no movement on getting this long-term deal done. So what does this mean? Well, I was told by sources close to Saquon Barkley that the option is on the table for the running back to skip training camp and to even miss week one against the Dallas Cowboys. These are things he's considering if he's not able to get this long-term deal done with the New York Giants and really feel the sense I'm getting from the New York side of this, and this has really been a constant theme over the last few months, is that they're really not very motivated to get this done. I don't sense that they're in a hurry, that they're up against a clock feeling like they got to get this deal done. I think the Giants' perspective here is Saquon Barkley is going to probably want to sign this franchise tag and not lose out on any money yeah i i I mean if we're entertaining this idea that he's gonna sit out next season i just don't see it i I feel like that's career suicide that is career suicide we actually have tangible evidence that is recent not so distant it is actually recent that this ploy or exercising your right in this manner does not work and we saw what left bell and he understood it was not the right decision. He would admit that. There is no way Saquon, as smart of a guy he is, is going to actually sit out the entirety of next season. I, I just don't think it does anything for him. I actually want to give the Giants a ton of credit for how they've handled this entire situation because they have been consistent. They have been you know, smart and responsible, understanding that this regime— that came into an absolute mess and was tasked with rebuilding what was once a respected organization that was about winning Super Bowls, about winning championships, and about contending. They came in and, and was plagued by a mess that they had to clean up. And part of you know making you know decisions that are sound, that have the goal of getting this team back to its winning ways part of that comes the business side of it and the business side of the nfl especially with the way that the salary cap is constructed is you do not overpay for running backs 
And it's not that the position isn't that valuable, but I thought Chris Candy, you know, hit it on the nail a couple of weeks ago, you know, on his show with, with Carlin. And he said, it's not that we have devalued running backs. It's not that they're not important, because if that were the case, we wouldn't see them, you know, collectively as a unit getting, you know, 25 to 30, 35 carries a game. They are still a very significant part of a game plan and could go a long way in helping you win a championship. It's that we understand these the shelf life for these running backs. We understand that they are best in the first four to five years of their career. So paying them big-time money post that makes no sense. It defies logic. You go back and look at the teams that are winning championships, they're not overpaying for running backs who are aging. And Saquon, I you know, I, you feel badly for him because he had a, an excellent season last year, was great in the first half, kind of, you know, tailed off, cooled off a little bit in the second half, but he was phenomenal. He was the be- he's the best player on the team, and the Giants would not have been in that position last year where, you know, it was a 6 and 6 and 11 roster, 7 and 10 roster at best, going on the road winning a playoff game. They're not there without Saquon. He was their most valuable player last year. What he does, not you know, in the backfield and in the in the receiving attack, the kind of piece he is in the locker room, the fan base adores him. So this is the type of guy who is deserving of a massive payday. But again, if you're trying to build your team the rightly quote unquote right way, you cannot get in the business uh, of allowing your feelings to become more important and take precedent over good decision-making, good team-building. And that's what Joe Shane and Brian Dable are about. We are trying to get the most out of this roster, and the way that you know facilitates that is us not allowing you know, uh, our emotions to, to force us into overpaying for this guy. He's a great guy, awesome teammate, you know, massive production. We cannot overpay for him. And I just don't see him sitting out the entirety of next season. I don't see it happening. Now, of course, he went on Twitter and, you know, refuted some reports that had been out there because someone tweeted something along the lines of, and I'll I'll actually put it up, ML Football said, report, the New York Giants offered star running back Saquon Barkley a contract worth $13 million per year, including $26 million over the first two years, sources told pro football talk. He's talking about Mike Florio. Uh, but Saquon retweeted this, quote tweeted this with cap. So he said he's capping. You know, the, the report is cap. It means it, it's a lie. And Jordan Renan, who does a great job for ESPN covering the Giants, quote tweeted that and said, cap, lie, this is what Saquon's saying here. Barkley's continually taking exception to the idea that he's being greedy and is turning down all this money. Most certainly wasn't offered $26 million guaranteed. Also, he never thought $16 million per year was realistic because that's been the story, too, that he's looking to you know, be in that ballpark of Christian McCaffrey. But well, he's refuting that on Twitter, saying that that's not something that, you know, is true. Folks, is out, folks out here capping, according to Saquon Barkley. 800-919-3776. Uh, we go to Roselle to talk to Dan. Uh, hello, Dan. What's going on? Hey, Ty. How you doing, man? Doing well. Doing well, man. What's up? 
Not much. It was great seeing you at the Beach Bash. Really was awesome to meet you and Harvey and everybody. Just want to uh, just want to say that again. And it was you know, great, man. Thank you, God. Great, yeah, man. Absolutely. Thank you. For, thank city you for God coming out. Appreciate you. Yeah, yeah. Here's City of God's come on. I'm like, oh, I got to call my boy. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so listen. I wanted to touch. Um, I wanted to touch on the Jets, and then you, you brought up the Yankees patch thing. I'll make that point at the end. So I definitely agree. I would definitely sign up if you were a Jets fan. You know, for four and two, but. You know, two of those four have to absolutely be the New England Patriots and the Buffalo Bills. It's it's not a death sentence if they lose week one against Buffalo because, you know, going back to 2020 when, you know, the Bucks and Tom Brady and, you know, that team, you know, they lost both games to New Orleans. And, you know, they did go into New Orleans in the divisional round and win. But, you know, you know that's the closest comparison to this Jets team right now and all the talk on that. And, you just don't want that. You know, you want to make your path as easy as possible to get to the playoffs and you want to host a playoff game. I mean, and that does require winning divisional games. I mean, they got to, you know, they, they really, two of those four have to absolutely be those two teams. Yeah, Dan. And and you bring up a great point. I appreciate the question. If I told you that the Jets next year were going to split, with the Pats and the Buffalo Bills. So they'd go 2-2 two and two against those teams. Wouldn't you agree that those wins came at home? Which means that you think they... they I don't want to say must because that, that feels dramatic. But home for Buffalo, week one, home for New England, week three, those are games... You don't. Not that you must win those. But let's just say there, there is a a, large, a high incentive for you to win those games. If we are having a conversation about you positioning yourself in optimal, like to be optimal, putting yourself in best position to, you know, go on a run, be a contender. You have to. I, I agree with Dan beat those teams at least once, and if it's only happening once, you would agree more likely they happen at home. So those are very important games. Every game is important, but just at home against the Bills, at home against the the, the Pats, uh, it, it, it is tough to imagine you carving out a path you know, to, to being a real player next year if you're dropping those games. 800-919-3776. We'll get back to your phone calls right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Does Saquon need the Giants more or do the Giants need Saquon more? I think it is interesting. The Giants just paid their quarterback $40 million a year. Now, they can get out of this deal after two seasons, but you are investing a ton of money into a guy who many still feel like has a ton of question marks. It's something you had to do because there simply was no alternative. And you're trying to to build off of what you had last year. Brian Dable was instrumental in getting Daniel Jones to tap into whatever his potential was. Becoming, you know, more secure with the football. We didn't see all the turnovers we had seen uh, the, 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 the years prior. You know, he was able to hold on to it. He was, you know, an impactful runner. Looked good throwing the deep ball. And you don't want to take away his best weapon and Saquon, so you'd love to have him. 
it, it is not ideal for the Giants to go into next season without Saquon Barkley, which, by the way, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I don't think he's going to sit out. It, it, it just wouldn't make sense. But Saquon also needs the Giants because, like, I don't want to overrate, you know, this is home. This is, you know, where he's most comfortable. He wants to get paid. I, who else would pay him? Like, I I, I heard someone, I, I think it was the K-Show, called in and say, well, the solution is, you know, the Bills might have uh, a Stephon Diggs problem. The Giants clearly have a Saquon Barkley problem. You trade them for each other. Why would the Bills want Saquon Barkley? Why are you trading one your best receiver for a running back? I don't think any team with legitimate aspirations of winning a Super Bowl, especially when you you're, you've got your quarterback tied into a lot of money, want, wants to overpay for a running back. So yeah, the Bills may clearly have a Stephon Diggs issue. I think that is evident. And by the way, Josh Allen. Terrible job by you blaming the media for overblowing what obviously was such a massive story. Your damn head coach had to address it and say he was concerned. But you want to blame the media. Okay, we'll play along. Uh, but that, 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 that's not, to me, a scenario that, that is on the table. The, the Giants and the Bills trading, you know, Saquon for, for Diggs. That, that is useless to me. It's just... Both par- both parties need each other. You hope this deal comes through if you're a Giants fan in the next five days because it's just an unwanted, unnecessary distraction. You'd be really excited if you know, both of these parties were able to put this behind them. You go into next season with a legitimate shot at, I- I'm not going to say winning the division, but getting back to the playoffs. I see three teams I know for certain are in the playoffs. That's San Francisco, that's Philadelphia, and that's Dallas. Everyone else... Question mark. At least four spots for the Giants. Meaning, uh, could three teams get into the postseason from that division like last year? Sure. But you would love to put this behind you and just focus on actual football and, and see what this team can become under uh, Brian Dable, who's coming off a of coach of the year. So that would be fun. Let's go to Brooklyn and talk to Jose. What's up, Jose? Hey, good evening, Ty. This is uh, and shout out to the company. And also, uh, gotta say, thanks. Um, you're a very personable dude. Couldn't believe all the people that were saying you were a bad guy on DPA. I mean, those are losers. Come on, those are losers. Yeah, they're definitely. And and thank you. First of all, this guy who 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 tried to rip me, it did so at like six twenty in the morning. I mean, do you realize? And I say this with all due respect. Do you realize how big of a cornball you have to be to, and he said, first-time caller, long-time listener. So the first time you ever call into a show is at 6.20 in the morning to rip me when I got nothing to do with that show? I mean, if that doesn't scream lame, then I don't know what does. And I have no problem. Look, I'm not sensitive. You can say whatever you want about me. But that early in the morning? On a show like that show has nothing to do with me, and, and that's what you're calling in to talk about. Oh, definitely. It, it, it was it was it was hilarious, and you know you're very personable, and I thank you for you know having that Instagram you know 
post, you know, the uh, uh, like a week ago, because then I finally got to remember what Joe Leo looks like. Because for the life of me, after the beach back, I couldn't remember. So thank you for that as well. And also, we got to know since he came back from vacation, since he opened the door with the Joey Chestnut comment, what type of buns did he have in his face? <laughs> oh, man, we had some fun with that. Because Joe, Joe Leo, we learned on July 4th, loves buns in his face. He's a big buns in the face guy. So maybe that's something yeah. we'll have to address in the program going forward. And he's smiling Definitely. ear to ear right now in the studio. Kiki King all over the place. <laughs> all right. So to the jet point real quick. Um, am I concerned about hard knocking the big scheme of things? No. Uh, do I want the distraction? No. But, hey, it is what it is. Um, I'm just more concerned with the Quinn and Williams thing because the Quinn and Williams should be signed. I don't want this dragging out. He needs to be signed and get ready for the first day of practice. Last thing we need is like one of the callers intimated earlier. It's him not, it's him, it's them dragging it out, having him sign, you know, like right before the season starts. And then, you know, there might be like a, a hamstring sprain or something that, you know, takes him out for a couple of days. We, we can't afford that with, with, with the rough schedule coming coming up and you know if gordon, if gordon is anywhere near right with us being 15 and 2 yeah you, you know, know gordon's trolling me, i'm gonna be crazy i know he's trolling, you know he's trolling. Know. <laughs> and people call me a troll right like, i i get destroyed oh he's such a big troll gordon uh, gordon probably the biggest troll on the station oh, he's got yeah, an algorithm really. that has the jets going 15 and 2 really come <laughs> oh. on Really, what Gordon? What's he talking about, Larry? Yeah, come on. <laughs> it's a joke. So I want to thank you for your time today, and I, I hope you have a great one, guys. Yeah, thank you, man. Appreciate you making the call. We go back to Brooklyn. Sal wants to weigh in on the Giants. What's up, Sal? What's going on? Hey, no, no doubt that guy this morning really had nothing better to do, but I think he just wanted to hear himself criticizing. That's yeah, all. Yeah, and the about. fact that my guy yeah. Dave Rothenberg allowed it. Come on, that's supposed to be yeah, my big come on, brother. Dave. Come on, Dave. Uh, uh, You're supposed to be my guy. Dave did not step up. I tell you that right now. So if you ever got to go in a manhole or if you're ever going to go pull a bank job, Dave ain't your boy. Who the hell is that? I I used to think that on that show, like Dave was my guy. Clearly it's Rick. I'm a, I'm a no, huge no, Rick, fan of Rick. Rick, Rick no doubt. Rick, oh, man, Rick's Dave, the heartbeat of the show like anyway. The show's missing him this week. With you know, Dave was, was oh, did solo the first two days. It's nothing without Rick. I had mentioned it. Like it would be great to do a show with Ty. See? Come and on. Then before you know it, it's a DPHO <laughs> Butler vehicle, yeah. and I'm sitting here talking to my arch nemesis for the next three hours. There we go. What's up, Sal? What do you got? Yeah, he crushed. So much who needs you. I mean, without a doubt, Saquon's got nowhere to go. They got him on that franchise tag. But how good is this $40 million quarterback if the whole concern is, like with any quarterback, you know, it's Saquon that made him move. It was that head coach. So they don't know what they got in that $40 million either. That was like kind of a blind investment. They're lucky they got two years to get out of it. If in the event. He... So although they're going to tussle with each other back and forth, Saquon really has nowhere to go. Now, I, I, so Sal, got a long way to prove he's worth forty. So Sal, I agree with you. I just have one quick question: What was the alternative right. to paying to paying Jones? They had to. You know what? There's, you don't have to. They did, but they got out of it the best way they could with just a two-year deal where they can get out of it. They pulled in the NFL what baseball players pull, where they can get that option out after a year or two. So they're going to be okay. They're going to. They're going to put in, obviously, day ball system to see if he can improve himself with better help around him to take the step up, not just to say, hey, he threw for 
35 or he threw for 30 touchdowns. Yo, you got to throw for 40, 45, carry the team, go deep in the playoffs now. That's what 40 million does. Well, listen. Let's see if he can just back that up. That's what it does now. The expectations have become enhanced, and I appreciate the call, Sal. It's true. I I don't... Always love just looking at the, the the raw stats with Daniel Jones when it comes to passing touchdowns because he's much more than that. But yes, you're right about we need like last year. It's not that he was great. He, he wasn't phenomenal. It wasn't like he was lighting the world on fire. He was just better than the previous version of himself, which was good enough to net him a massive contract. So you give him credit for it, but. Now the expectations come into play because you're not getting paid for because of what you did last year. You're getting paid in concert, you know, for what you did last year, but also because we think that you are going to be our guy at least for the next two years. And if you're a guy for the next two years, that means getting to the playoffs, winning playoff games, and, and you know, doing the whole thing. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. More of your phone calls coming up. Want to get into the Yankees and the Mets as well. Talk some Knicks. I think the Knicks are having a really good off season, and I know people feel like I, I, I'm way too hard on them, but I really want to give them credit. I, I want to give them massive credit. So we'll do that coming up. Whole lot to do. Mike Tannenbaum. Uh, shocker, uh, you know, in show breaking news. Mike Tannenbaum is going to join us in 45 minutes to talk about the Jets on Hard Knocks. So I'm looking forward to that. We've still got a whole lot to do. We're cooking on this Wednesday night in New York City, the greatest city in the world. Ty Butler in for Dan Grasso right here on 9870 ESPN. We should go out, just you and me. I think that would send the right kind of message. That would send the message. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. But I, I am standing next to someone I've known for a very long time. One of my friends, his dad, shout out to him, Eddie Mohabir, big Knicks fan. And he comes up to me, wants to talk basketball. And we'll get back to your phone calls at 800-919-3776. So I said, let's talk some basketball. And he wanted to get my thoughts on the, the state of the franchise, state of the team. And I said, listen, I haven't said this in a long time, but you guys are in a great spot. You you are the healthiest you've been in probably a decade just from the standpoint of infrastructure, stability, and the optimism, optimism surrounding your team because of the flexibility, the draft capital, young assets. You're in a great, you're in a great place right now. And you know, saw Steve Kerr the other day raving about Dante Divincenzo and how effective he's going to be, how impactful he's going to be playing under Tom Thibodeau. And I completely agree. A, a three and D wing uh, with this head coach. Uh, for a team that's struggled shooting the ball in the playoffs, he he shot forty percent from three. Had some injury concerns, you know, coming into the contract with the Warriors, but he played a ton of games last year. He's going to be a difference maker, a difference maker. And I think if you're a Knicks fan, you should be excited about next year. You should be excited about where the team is right now. You essentially have two All Stars in their prime in Brunson and Randall. Uh, I mentioned a ton of picks, flexibility. You've got young players you can either keep or trade away for the next big star when he becomes available. And it, it, it's all predicated on you continuing to make the right decision. You know I was for the Paul George trade, but once I saw what it was going to require to get him, you know, Obi Toppin, Quentin Grimes, Evan Fournier, three first-round picks— and then you've got to give him a contract extension north of $200 million. I said, no thanks. The old Knicks would have made that decision, 
and would have gotten better incrementally, but just long term, it wasn't going to be as impactful as you would have imagined, especially given all of that up. Because it gets you, you know, another playoff series win, but you're still not a, an elite team. What I've learned watching Jalen Brunson is, you know, can he be the best player on a championship team? No. Can he be the second best player on a, on a contender? Uh, well, two years ago, he was the second best player on a team that went to the conference finals with Luka, and that team wasn't, like, you know, perfectly put, put together. So if the Knicks find a way to get a star and he's their second best player and you, you build the team around him, can, can you be a, a contender? Absolutely. So I, I had to give the Knicks credit. and I said I was going to do so on the air when I talked to him on, on Sunday because, yes, I can be hard on them. But, you know, with responsibility, you know, with uh, what's the quote I'm looking for that I'm blanking on? To whom much is given, much is required. And much is given to the team that is, you know, at the you know center of being the mecca of basketball. So I, I, I wanted to give them credit. And, you know, you deserve it, Nick fans. You deserve it. 800-919-3776. Uh, Joe's in Long Beach and wants to chime in on the show. Uh, what's up, Joe? Yo, Ty, you already know. I can't believe they were hating on you like that. Even put up a poll to, uh, you know, somehow question your integrity and your value add to ESPN. So well, I listen, to get on there. Listen, I am glad that I was able to give them content for four hours, which I, I, I'm, you know, I got to say, it, it makes me feel good. I, I feel, uh, I feel like I'm somebody. Makes the, Prior to, to yesterday, felt like a nobody. Now I feel like I'm somebody. I, I'm honored. I mean, Ty, if you, if you don't have haters, you know <laughs> you what I mean? You don't you have appreciate if you ain't if you ain't got haters, you ain't popping. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so you went in there. Um, love the points so far. Wanted to talk a little NBA. I am hype about the Knicks. I am hype about them being healthy. Um, I am hype about Jalen Brunson, uh, Randall, and obviously Josh Hart and some of the acquisitions that we've made in the off season. But I wanted to talk about this in-season tournament, and maybe you can oh, kind of fill me man. in, because one thing that I'm hearing that I, I'm really confused about is that the championship game of said tournament stats don't count towards the regular season. Yeah. So if we have this game and someone drops 120 points, it's like it never happened? Is that what it is? Yeah, listen, uh, Joe, I appreciate the call, appreciate the love. I, I challenge you to find someone who likes the idea of this NBA in-season tournament. I just don't understand the point. I get what they're trying to accomplish. I just don't think it successfully does that. It is a poor attempt at trying to give flavor to the regular season because, you know, even me as a diehard Hoops fan has come to realize that the regular season is kind of dead. Like, there are big games. There are, you know... Bucks and Celtics on ESPN on Wednesday night. That's huge. You know, Lakers Suns next year Sunday afternoon. That's huge. But for the most, for the most part, the regular season has become diluted, and it was created by this you know load management issue. So they're trying to find a way to spice it up to add some intrigue. But you're giving me an in-season tournament where you know. The, the championship game doesn't count toward the actual standings, doesn't count toward stats. It's happening in December in Vegas. I just, it, it, it does nothing for me. I'm going to watch it, 
But it does it doesn't move the meat, the needle for me at all. Well, what's the end game? What does a player get out of winning this tournament? Because maybe the question is, are we the reason why we, uh, the regular season has become what it, what it, what it's become? Because we've put so much attention and focus and pressure on you know guys' legacies being that of how many championships did you win? LeBron can't be great until you win a championship. Durant, you know, has to finally quote unquote win a real ring without Steph Curry and the Warriors. Giannis, we disqualified him from winning MVPs until he won the championship in 2021. Tried to do the same thing with Jokic. We're about to have that same smoke for Embiid. It's about winning titles, so organizations and players are now going to uh, do things that are conducive to maintaining long-term health so that they can win those championships. And if that means taking games off during the regular season, then so be it. God, but my argument to that is that guys are getting hurt anyway. Even the, the, the players that load manage, the teams that load manage, everyone's getting hurt. It's destroying the product. You want to see the stars play. And you know how uh, the, the, the generation in the past feels. They, they, they can't wait to tell you, oh, back in my day, Jordan played all 82. That's why LeBron could never be my goat. That's, that's the, the narrative now. And it's not that, you know, I, I agree with everything that they say, but that's one that I, I, I'm certainly behind. This idea that you, you can't play games, like you got to load manage, is, is so weak to me. And don't don't tell me about sports science when these guys still get hurt. They they still get hurt. Let's go to the boogie down. We talked to Chris in the Bronx. Hello, Christopher. What to do, baby? Hey, how's it going? What's good? Good, 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 good. I'm disagreeing with you on the Knicks on this one, man. Because I don't know, like the roster set up. They got too many guards on this team. They got no backup power forward. Their center. Once you start extending the floor, he can't really defend anymore. He can't he can't defend the three, obviously. He can't shoot the three, so he clogs up the paint. So you're going to have RJ, who can't shoot. Randu, once you start double-teaming him, he's going to turn over the ball. Your sensor can't shoot. Grimes was an okay shooter at times. He disappeared in the playoffs with the three-pointer. And you got Jalen Brunson, which is he's an okay three-point shooter, but he's not going to create back there either. He's If he's going to create, he's going to create in the lane. So you're going to have a whole bunch of guys that are going to be creating in the lane and nobody that can really shoot. Well, listen. You have no backup forward. Hang on, hang on, hang on, Chris. I want to keep you on hold just because I would like for us to have a back and forth. So all the players okay. you mentioned were on the team last year, correct? Correct. Okay. That same team was third in offense during the regular season. So everything you're saying about, you know, it's not going to work clogging the paint was was proven to be incorrect when last year only two teams in the NBA high, had higher offensive ratings. So I don't understand how now you add who is going to become, a guy who's going to become your best shooter now, shot 40% from beyond the arc, is going to somehow uh, stymie them. That does not make any sense to me. But then here's the problem with that. You have so many guards on that team. What's going to happen with Quickly? You're going to cut his minutes now because you got DiVincenzo? He's going to play and whoever's affected. Contract year. And Quickly, quickly I don't think Quickly's minutes are getting cut. Quickly is a guy you depend on to be your backup point guard when Jalen Brunson's is not out there because he's someone who can create for himself and create for others. So you still need that distributor. And Dante does yeah, have that have a little bit in his. Dante does have that a little bit in his in his game, 
but he's not, you know, Emmanuel quickly. At, at, he's not at the Emmanuel quickly level when it comes to just that part of his game. No, I agree with that. But then the problem with Tibbs is he's going to be playing JB 34, 35 minutes a game, and then you're going to be, you're going to have DiVincenzo, you're going to have Quickly, you're going to have Grimes. They're talking about McBride, even though he didn't get that many minutes in the playoffs. Why was he getting like two minutes in the playoffs? Yeah, when he... the Knicks get into the playoffs, they get exposed. If you haven't noticed, they can't shoot. They defend. They allow other teams to shoot the three, and they don't defend that at all. That's a terrible defensive system in this modern NBA when it comes to the playoffs. In the regular season, no team is going to play as hard as they're going to play in the playoffs. If you notice, the last three, well, the last two times we made the playoffs, because we did miss the playoffs the season before that, the Knicks disappear in the playoffs and teams adjust and they and the Knicks don't make the adjustments afterwards. Yeah, We're listen. terribly set up. I, I, listen, I, go ahead, finish your point. Go ahead, finish your point. Yeah, we're, I'm just saying we're terribly sad when it comes to that. When it comes to playoff times, we're in, we're kind of screwed in that sense. So that can, and I appreciate the call, be an indictment. On, if you feel like you're you are um, led by someone who fails or has shown the inability to make adjustments over the course of a playoff series, that can be an indictment of the head coach. I don't think that's necessarily reflective of this current roster. Because I think you do need some help in the paint. You need a backup power forward. But, you know, Randall's a good three-point shooter. Brunson's a good three-point shooter. You just added a guy who's going to become your best three-point shooter. Quickly can shoot the three. Grimes can shoot the three. So you have a ton of shooting on this team. It's it's just that Randall hasn't been able to translate the regular season version of himself and, and have that guy, you know, be dominant in the playoffs. And I think you're underselling Jalen Brunson at the totality of his game. He is a guy who, yes, can live in the paint, but part of that is a product of his ability to shoot the three ball. And he's got great ball handling. And, you know, he's he's crafty, so he can get into the paint. He can distribute. He can get it to other guys. So it's going to be hard to, if the Knicks are hitting threes, It's because you mentioned double-teaming Randall. It's hard to double-team Randall if you are going to have shooters all around him with Brunson, and with Dante DiVincenzo, and with Quickly. Now, RJ has to improve his shot, but if you if you spread the floor, let's just say you want to go small with Randall and play him at the five, which you don't want to do in doses. Uh, you don't want to do that heavily. You want to do that in doses. But if you spread the, the floor, go Randall at the five and surround him with shooters, that's how you stop teams from double-teaming him because not too many people in the league can guard him when you go one-on-one. He's, he's too strong. He can shoot. He's got an array of moves. So to say that you, they're in a bad place, like even if you're not as optimistic right now as you know the average Nick fan, to say that they're in a bad place, I, I think you're being a little dramatic. 800-919-3776. We'll talk Yankees and Mets coming up. We'll talk All-Star game as well. Mike Tannenbaum at 915. And your calls at 800-919-3776. Ty Butler in for Dan Grasso right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Ty Butler going until 10 o'clock. Let's go to Michigan and talk to Steve. Hello, Steven. Hey, Ty. How you doing? Doing well, man. What's going on? So I've been a, a Yankee fan for a while, and a number of years ago, I lived and died with every single game. And at this point, I'm almost resigned to the fact that this team's going nowhere, and the future of this franchise is in a lot of question with – some of the things that Cashman's done. I mean, 
when you look at this team's offense, a lot of this team is just depreciating assets. You know, Stanton is injury-prone and old. LeMahieu looks done. Donaldson's a complete joke. Anthony Rizzo at first base. I mean, it's just how is this team going to get better moving forward when you're passing up on players like Matt Olson in trades and you're picking up Frankie Montas from the A's? It, Brian Cashman just is not doing the job. He, 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 it, it's Listen, I can't argue with anything you said, Steve, and it's something that has frustrated me because you just go back over the course of the last six years, all of the assets that have depreciated. Uh, we, we were led to believe that the future of the Yankees, you know, the new – the core was Judge, Severino, uh, you know, Greg Bird, Gary Sanchez. And we, we've seen one guy, you know, rise to the occasion, and that's Aaron Judge. And he's been, you know, incredible, one of the best players in baseball. But Cashman just has been underwhelming. And, and people keep getting this wrong. It's not, it's not like we're saying, you know, he's a bad GM. He, he's unworthy. Like he, you know, he should be disrespected on his way out. I, I think the rational Yankee fan is just arguing that maybe he has worn out his welcome, and though he has proven he can build teams that can you know win a lot of regular season games, there's just evidence that you know since 2009 he hasn't been able to put together a squad that's capable of winning a championship, and I don't think that's unfair to say. I don't think that's unfair to say at all. By the way, Joe Leo came across this tweet. So the so Durant um, was mentioned on Twitter and was asked, "Is there a player that you can always go back and watch highlights and get hype?" He says Kyrie and MJ. So MJ makes sense, right? The second greatest basketball player of all time. Of course, you want to go back and watch his highlights. Kyrie. When's the last time Kyrie had a legitimate highlight? Y'all know who I am. When's the last time? Do we got to go all the way back to 2016, or is there something that's happened more recent than that? Do you count the 61-point game when he was a part-time player Ooh, in Orlando? Oh, forgot about that one because he barely played that year. But that 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 was that, okay. I'll, I'll give you that one. And any any so that's the only game he's watching that's happened in the last couple years. Dude, what are you doing? <laughs> he's that's the only highlights he's getting from Kyrie. And didn't he play in some of those games? He doesn't remember the highlights happening. Cockroaches. Just go through his memory and, you know, sit back and think fondly of the time that he had in Brooklyn with Kyrie Irving? I think it's hard to remember highlights from what was a debacle. I mean, between all of the drama he brought and, you know, the not playing, whether it was injury or controversy— you tell me two guys you want to watch highlights of are MJ and Kyrie Irving? MJ, obviously, I understand. But Kyrie Irving? Come on, KD. You think he's You think he's still friends with Kyrie? Oh, if he's watching his highlights, wouldn't you think they're friends? Man, KD, get better friends, bro. Hour number three coming up next, right here on 9870 ESPN. Who are you? Why do I got to talk to you?